When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Minnesota Vikings, the NFL, football, yeah, football. Welcome to Purple Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here along with former NFL quarterback Sage Rosenfels. And um, Sage, you know, when I'm 50 years old or 60 years old, I'll look back at the great NFL games that I ever saw and I won't remember this one as part of that group. Uh, it was a hideous football game in New York, but the Minnesota Vikings did what they were supposed to do over the last two weeks, and they've set themselves up at the top of the North, so it's hard to have too many complaints about what it looked like. It's their 4-2-1, and one. they're at the top of the North, they're set up to play the Saints, and at least the big picture is they're in good shape and have bounced back really well from some early season struggles, the loss against Buffalo, the loss against LA. Yeah. They, they started off the year uh, with, with a challenging schedule and then, you know, hit a couple teams that were, uh, that, they, that they were supposed to beat and they did beat them. Uh, they were, neither game was really pretty. And this one was instantly forgettable. I think that's the, yes. that's the, that's the, you know, an instantly forgettable win. That's what this game was. Uh, defense played really well, uh, in this game and, and, uh, offensively, um, they did not, it wasn't a pretty game by any means. There's, there's plenty of mistakes and just sort of ugly football. Obviously the wind played a huge factor in this for both teams. I mean, it was pretty obvious when, when, when both squads were going against the wind, uh, and as this has turned into a passing league, uh, neither team threw the ball very well, uh, against the wind, which seemed to be pretty, Pretty stiff, uh, coming from, from, uh, I guess as a TV version from the right side of the screen. Uh, you know, field goals that way were nearly impossible. Extra points are nearly impossible. Throwing balls nearly impossible. But, uh, at the end of the day, the Vikings get uh, a much needed win against an inferior Jets team that as I'm watching the game and I'm, and I'm trying to also sort of, you know, check out what Sam Darnold is, is going to do and how is this kid. And I've, I've only seen him play a couple times this year. And, uh, he did not play well, obviously, but I'm like, who, who is he even throwing to? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't even know who these guys are all that much. They're just sort of guys. I don't know who the GM is for the, uh, for the Jets, but they've got, they've got a long ways to go, uh, on that football team. And, and, uh, you know, the, the Vikings took advantage of that. They had superior personnel. 
uh, in particular on the defensive side of the ball, and they just overwhelmed uh, that New York uh, Jets offense. Yeah, Darnold already didn't have a great supporting cast, but he was missing his top wide receiver in this game, and Bilal Powell, who is generally a pretty good player, got hurt early, and that didn't help them at all. And also, I mean, I know it was windy, Sage, but you shouldn't be dropping that many passes, no matter how windy it is. I mean, it was kind of incredible that even when Sam Darnold made a good play, he got outside the pocket on one third down and made a dart of a throw and is just dropped. And it, and it seemed like they just couldn't hold on to the football. Even on punts, they were dropping them. Yeah, they were two huge plays, two huge drops in this game. And one was, a, I believe, it was like a third and 12, uh, ended up being a field goal. Uh, and that was just a wide open, you know, put up two hands and catch the football. Darnold made, you know, he, he can throw it, but he can't catch it as well. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's just not much talent around him. They're, they're trying to do a lot with very, very little for this young quarterback. And this is where you talk about with like the young quarterbacks, you know, should you play a rookie or should you not play a rookie? You know, this is where no two situations are the same. I mean, I know Pat Mahomes is, is, is in his second year, uh, but like, let's look at the weapons that he has, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in, in Kansas City compared to what Sam Darnold has with the New York Jets, not even close. But w- what's most concerning to me about this game, um, I would say would probably be the, the couple of really bad decisions by Cousins in this game. The, the escape uh, out of the back of the pocket from your, your own, uh, I think the ball was on about the eight, nine yard line and he had them getting sacked on like the one. Uh, that was a really bad play. The, the, the lateral pass sort of wide receiver screen that was obviously backwards. That could have been, uh, a, a game that, or a play that got the Jets right back in the game. That was a really bad play. I mean, he, he, they call it burn the football. He burned it. Mm-hmm. But you got to make sure you burn it going forward. And, uh, <laughs> and that was, yeah, so that was a bad play for a guy who's supposed to be sort of a heady quarterback. You know, he's supposed to be like the smart guy. That, that was a dumb play as well. So, uh, and just sort of the overall ineffectiveness of the, of the Vikings offense for, for much of this game. And said, so, you know, statistically you look back and you see Cousins 25 of 40 for, 241 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, uh, but he did not have his best game, uh, and, uh, and the Vikings offense did not have his best game, and they were helped sort of time and time again by their defense, who just sort of overwhelmed the Jets. Two for 13 on third down for the Minnesota Vikings. Not exactly what you're looking for, and you don't expect 37 points to be on the board when you go two for 13 on third down, except for the New York Jets were intent on giving the Vikings the ball over and over throughout this game. Well, let's Go through some of these things with Cousins because the the backward lateral pass could have just been, okay, that's a freak thing. It's a little weird. Don't know what happened there. Maybe it stuck to his thumb or something, right? But it's the, no, second, no, well, time it's, the second time he's done it, though. Well, the backward lateral pass, it was a wide receiver screen on what they call like a swing route, which is like a or a wide route, which is sort of a lateral route. And, and you're trying to outflank the defense, out leverage them. Uh, the Jets did a nice job. Whatever they had going on, they had it covered. And I said, no, that's all. you see it on screens all the time. Quarterback just sort of burned the football mm-hmm. at the, at the feet of their offensive player. Uh, but on these things, and I have seen it before. I believe there was another, a very similar play into sort of a wide receiver bubble in this game where, you know, Kirk threw it backwards to, to Stefan Diggs. It was like a, you know, one yard gain or maybe even a, they may have even lost a yard or two on it. And uh, you have to be really careful with those things. I mean, as soon as that's an incomplete pass, that's a fumble. Uh, the Vikings are really lucky that the Jets, uh, the, the, the second Jets player there, he was paying attention. That's a live ball, and, and he could have gotten on that. 
before Stefan Diggs. So, you know, the Vikings got, got lucky a couple of times in this game. They're lucky there wasn't a safety, uh, as well, uh, on that, uh, on that sack earlier in the ball game. And, and, but, you know, and lucky that they're just playing a really crappy team, in, which is the New York Jets. Well, well, that's what I'm getting at is that some of these mistakes, they seem to be happening more than just every once in a while with Kirk Cousins. I mean, you even go week to week in against San Francisco. He nearly throws a pick six that the guy drops against Green Bay. He gets bailed out by a bizarre penalty on Clay Matthews, where he threw an interception that would have ended that game. And then last week against Arizona, we get another fumble and an interception where he just heaves the ball to nobody. And it, with Cousins, that seems to be the downside, where he is an extremely talented quarterback. The throw to Adam Thielen is just beautiful. I mean, a perfect dime, 34 yards down the field for a touchdown. It's exactly what you got Kirk Cousins to do, was come in here and make throws like that. But each week, there's some sort of bonehead mistake or pocket presence issue that seems to cost this team and you wonder about how that's going to play forward when they're against teams that aren't the New York Jets or Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, I think that as a as a Vikings fan, you just sort of hope that those, you know, as you said, boneheaded moments just do not occur uh, in key ball games, you know, or at the wrong times. You hope it happens in the first quarter, not in the fourth quarter. And this is why Washington, uh, the the Redskins were, I think, just very much happy with getting getting rid of cousins letting them go in free agency now bringing in alex smith is that they were sort of tired of of you know these types of plays and and you do see the the natural arm talent you do see uh, on a lot of throws you know absolutely beautiful precision and, and accuracy and and you, you sort of see how he holds himself he's very much sort of the the franchise figure uh, you know, of the team. Uh, but yeah, he does make these, uh, that's, that's the best word to use is, is boneheaded decisions. They seem to happen once, twice a game. Uh, you know, Case Keenum seemed to also make occasional bonehead decisions. Mm-hmm. They're sort of similar in that way. You know, they, they, they do a lot of really good things. And then about once, twice a game, you're like, Oh man, if he would just stop doing that, the rest of the game was, was flawless and, and made some great plays and some great throws. Uh, but, uh, but cousins seem to have, and, and Keenum, they both sort of have that, you know, same issue where they just sort of, you know, turn the ball over one too many times or just make that one or two really bad plays a game that make you second guess them. Okay. I got a couple of stats for you and I just want you to just give me your reaction here and maybe if fixable, not fixable or what might be causing this. But the Vikings in the red zone this year are tied for 19th in red zone touchdown percentage and have scored on just 40%, scored touchdowns on 40% over their last three games. So they ranked 19th in the league in that. And on percentage of drives in which they come away with points, they are 26th in the NFL this year on just how many times they get points per drive. I think we've looked at this offense and thought, you know, it's pretty good. But, I mean, those two numbers do not paint an offense that's really all that effective overall. Well, in the last few weeks, they've gotten a lot of opportunities because their defense has just been dominant. And so their offense hasn't had to play very well to, you know, statistically put up a lot of good numbers. You know, people don't talk about in the red zone enough is, is running the football. I know it sounds crazy, uh, cause it's a throwing league, but running the football in the red zone is huge. If you can do that. And you saw the, the Vikings do that from what, about the 10, 15 yard line, uh, with, with that run by Latavius Murray. Uh, in, in, you know, in for, for a touchdown, but running the football, uh, I think would, would vastly improve those stats. Um, you know, it seems like, uh, with, with John D. Filippo, they're, they're getting a lot of like second eights, 
uh, or even mm-hmm. a second seven, and they immediately go to the pass. Uh, and I know fans hate it when you go, you know, run on first down, run second down, throw on third down. But when your team that's trying to prove that you can run the football, and I think they can, I think it's okay to run it on first down for two yards, run it on second down, uh, and whether you get two or whether you get five or six, you know, I don't really care. But sometimes you have to sort of stick to that run a little bit longer because it does seem like this this offensive line they want to run the football. They're not great with pass protection. Uh, and, and I think Murray's having a really, really good year. And uh, and I think they need to run the football well. He only had 15 carries in this game. Shoot, the Vikings barely had over 20 carries in this football game. Love the way Mike Boone ran in this game. Love the way, love the way Rock Thomas had that great run. Uh, they need to run the football well and not immediately, hey, second eight, immediately go to the pass. I think it's okay to stick to that run. And maybe Cousins doesn't have to throw the ball 40 times uh, in a really windy game uh, in a game that they were you know, basically in the lead you know, pretty much the entire time. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up because that's something that Mike Zimmer said after the game is that, you know, just because we run on first down doesn't mean we can't run on second down as well. And if you're talking about setting up third and shorts, this team is really well set up to succeed on third and short. We've seen it over and over again where they run play action or find a way to leak Kyle Rudolph out and get him some yards after catch on a third and short. They've had a, a ton of success with that. And when you're in the lead, you've got to be able to just pound out that clock. And they were not able to do that. And it's just, hasn't it felt, Sage, like they've kept teams in the game? I mean, even yesterday, we're in the fourth quarter, and the Jets are still not out of the game until they decide to throw a couple more picks. But they've got the ball down by 10, and maybe there's a chance there. And the same thing happened with Arizona. They haven't been able to just close teams out to just put the clamps on them as they did last year. And I think part of that is not being able to run the ball, even though yesterday they they ran it fairly effectively. But that's like the best thing you can do when you're up is just kill that clock and give the other team no chance. Well, I'll tell you what, you, you pay quarterbacks a lot of money to, to do a lot of different things. But one of the main things they, they need to be good at is is completing uh, passes on third down for first downs. And I, I just see way too many passes that are third and 10, third and 12, third and 13, and you're asking a quarterback to do a lot in those situations. And, but, you know, third and five, uh, you know, you might see man to man, you might see zone, uh, that that's when, you know, you, you see the value of your quarterback in those third and five or, or third and threes, third and fours. Uh, plus the third and shorts, if you decide to throw the football, that's when you almost always get man to man. And I like the Vikings chances in man to man coverage with Diggs and Thielen or, or even Kyle Rudolph, or even the sort of the, the the bootleg game, the naked bootleg game that they have, the play action stuff. Uh, I just really think they need to try to run the football more, in particular in games like this. When in, in, in particular when you're, they were going against the wind, you know, let's try to grind this thing out and let's just prove that we're the better football team and and that you know the sort of the more uh, the more physical football team. I'm not sure what Mike Zimmer probably wants. I just I look at this game and I say Sam Darnold threw the ball 42 times. They're behind almost the entire game. The Vikings were ahead almost the entire game, and, and Kirk Cousins threw the ball 40 times. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me, uh, in particular the way I, I feel like Latavius Murray's run the football fairly well. So I pulled this up. Third down in short for Kirk Cousins this year. He's 19 for 26, 177 yards. I, I mean, he's been really good if you get him third and short. Just speaking to your point that it makes life a lot easier if you can have second and three, and or third and three, 
as opposed to third and long, and he has had a lot of those. Um, yeah, I'd like to I'd like to look up the stats on the Vikings on their you know how many third and eight pluses they've had this year. It feels like a lot, and again, and again, I know fans hate it when it's you know shoot Jacksonville for a lot of times has been you know run run pass on first and second downs mm-hmm. because the quarterback's not very good. But in this situation. Uh, I think we the Vikings need to do what what they need to do what they do best, and that's try to run the football. Uh, have that offensive line come off, and and have Rudy and the tight ends David Morgan come off the ball, and and uh, you know try to get some push. All three running backs they had playing a game yesterday are physical backs uh, that can sort of just just pound out a a, a nice win, and and uh, so they just sort of they keep wanting to throw the ball, they keep wanting to go to shotgun. And long term, I just don't see that as I mean statistically it looks great from if you're you know you're trying to where we rank statistically in the league because we throw the ball so much as far as total yardage, but as far as what's best for this football team and how they're going to win a, a playoff game or how they're going to get the Super Bowl, uh, I don't see it, you know, them just, just running the ball at most 20 times a game and throwing the ball 40-plus. Yeah, and I don't think that, like to your point about Jacksonville, I don't think that you run to get ahead. I think you run to finish the job, and this Vikings team did it against Arizona with three minutes left. Uh, but aside from that, they haven't really been able to do it. Uh, I looked it up. Your instinct is correct that the Vikings have more third downs from 7 to 10 yards or 11 plus, so just beyond 7 yards, than they have third and, and less than 6. So they have 31 third downs from 7 to 10, 20 of more than 11 yards to go, and 29 third and 0 to 3, 22 from 4 to 6. So they're more yeah, often... I mean, let, let, Let's think of the bad things that occur on third and eight plus. You've yeah. got sacks, you've got interceptions, you've got fumbles, and a lot of bad things happen. And and or, or even a bad thing as in the completion that's short of a third down or, or or short of a first down, which doesn't really do you a lot of good. I mean, there's there's just a, there's not a, the way NFL defenses are so good. They know where the sticks are and they know how to you know call the right defenses and and, and coach them and, and play them where. You know, that they'll keep the ball in front of them and come up and tackle. It's just hard to get first downs and third and eight plus, which means the Vikings are failing on first and second down, uh, and they need to, to remedy that. You know, first and second downs are, are huge to get off a drive on the right foot, and, and they seem to either be throwing the ball with incompletions or, or, or bad runs or something, but they need to have better, better success in first and second down. Now I can figure this out with one mouse click, how they have done on third and long, if pro football reference will load quickly, and it did. So Kirk Cousins this year uh, averaging 5.4 yards an attempt on third and long. So, I mean, it's just that that's not very good. Like you're saying, that they have not had a whole ton of success when they've gotten into third and long situations. So uh, that is, that's something that either you have to find a way to be better at third and long or reduce your number of third and longs. And, it, and one of those two things seems easier than the other, right? Yeah, and, and running running for three yards on first and second down, not a big deal. You're talking about third and fours. Third and fours are are, you know, very, very possible to get first downs. Quarterbacks can run, you know, and scramble on third and third and fours, but they don't usually scramble on third and 10 and third and 12. So, uh, yeah, I, that's, that's something that we should be probably discussing as the season goes on and keep an eye on is what is their first and second down, you know, sort of, you know, quote unquote success rate, uh, as far as, you know, did they get four to five yards on, on those downs or, or, you know, they shotgun on first down, uh, and trying to throw the ball when, and that, those would be good downs to uh, to line up under center and, and, and ground and pound a little bit with Murray or Cook or, or whoever they have back there. Now, one thing that they haven't done a lot, and this has to be because of the absence of Delvin Cook, is throw screen passes to the running backs. Uh, last year, I mean, how many times did we see 
Delvin Cook early before he got hurt, and then Jarek McKinnon, a just a pass that travels a couple of yards, and then you get 30 yards from it, or some type, some sort of effective gain by Jarek McKinnon. Now, they have two guys in Rock Thomas and Mike Boone who can catch the ball, though Boone had a bad drop yesterday. Um, Latavius Murray can run on those screen passes. We just haven't seen it. like That, that was a, a Pat Shermer thing that he loved doing where you get the offensive line moving throw a little screen and see what you can come up with and that has disappeared from this offense and I, I wonder if when Delvin Cook comes back if we'll see it return you know I don't know I I, I think Murray you know he's sort of good at everything he's mm-hmm. not great at anything but you know he's he's great at just being a sort of quality football player he catches the ball well he always knows what he's doing he's great in pass protection of knowing, knowing who he's got and also being a pretty good blocker yeah, you say catches the ball in the backfield. Well, I think he'd be pretty good on screens. Uh, he's just sort of a you know sort of a crafty run, you know running back, and and I, I don't I don't really care who's in there. Screens are are they're easy completions for quarterbacks, so you can sort of get them off in the right foot. You get a running back in, in open space. You move the pocket. Uh, you, you slow down the pass rush. Uh, you, you keep a defense from blitzing a lot of times. Screens are really really valuable and. And maybe that's just one of the differences between, you know, Pat Shermer and John DeFilippo. They're, they're two different coordinators. Maybe one believes in the screen game, uh, or is more creative in the screen game. Yeah. We also have to realize, like, there's a lot of, you know, creative attributes of an offensive coordinator. There, there's play calling, you know, there's all these things, but play design, you know, when they're sitting in these rooms on Monday and Tuesday, they're seeing the coverages, they're seeing the blitz, they're putting together that game plan. You know, Mike, you, you sort of wonder is, you know, is John D. Flippo maybe not as creative uh, as Pat Shermer? They, they, you know, they're all they're all different. No two coordinators are the same. And and they both have, you know, huge impacts on on this Vikings offense. And, and as of right now, we, you, know, you and I probably both agree. We don't think they're using the running backs nearly as much uh, as I think they could. We're also not seeing like wide re- or, or tight end screens, you know, mm-hmm. very often. I think that's something they could probably add every once in a while with, especially the way, you know, Kyle Rudolph a lot of times is in pass protection. You know, they have a lot of times, you know, a play action screen to the tight end and pass protection where, uh, you know, where all the defense is, is, is going deep. So it looks like the quarterback's going to throw a deep and then boom, a little dump off to the tight end with some alignment out front. And I think Rudy would be good at that. He's pretty savvy as a tight end. So yeah, I think the screen game running on first down. Uh, yeah. And then in this game, I think I tweeted during the game yesterday when they're going against that wind, you can still throw the ball against it, but you know, throwing the ball 15, 20, 25 yards downfield can be a real struggle. Uh, but you know, wide receiver screens and, and tight end screens, running back screens, those are uh, other sort of ways of basically running the football, high percentage throws. Uh, but yet you're, you're getting players out in space to, to have some success. Well, last year, Vikings running backs, McKinnon, Cook, Murray, and the fullback, CJ Ham had 84 total catches, and Jarek McKinnon averaged 8.3 yards of reception. Most of those were on screen passes. So that might be something that they that they look at uh, if, a, if the run game is not succeeding. Because these, these swing passes to Stephon Diggs, it seemed like after the Philadelphia game where they used them all the time and had some success, that opposing defenses would make that adjustment pretty quickly to look for those. And you mentioned the throw behind where he runs behind the formation and gets the little swing pass. Like it, it worked once or twice, but I'm not sure if that's something that's going to be sustainable long term. With, with yeah, Diggs. and I, I I agree with you there, and I don't I don't love the way they're you they're using Diggs right now. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, he's 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 very good with the ball in his hands, but he's also not Tyreek Hill. He's not a gadget player. He's a wide receiver. Uh, he had eight catches for 33 yards yesterday. 
you know, I think if Stefan Diggs has eight catches, he should have more than 33 yards. And, mm-hmm. and I said, he's just not said he's good at that little stuff. Those little wide receiver screens or, or, or swing passes or whatever you want to call them. Uh, but he's also very good at just going down the field and, and running go routes and comebacks and post routes and his, his shake routes, which is sort of a post, uh, corner route. He's a great route runner. I, I'd like to see him, uh, you know, in the slot breaking down a, a, a linebacker versus zone coverage. Uh, he's, you know, he's a very sudden player. He's a good route runner. He's great with, he's great after the catch, but you know, it's okay if he's catching balls eight or 10 yards down the field and good after the catch, not behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah. I, I mean, when Diggs ends a game averaging 4.1 yards a catch against the team that was missing defensive back. So I, I understood against Patrick Peterson that he wasn't going to get a whole lot of catches because Peterson's one of the best players in the NFL, but Whoever Daryl Roberts is, I mean, this, yeah, this, this, this Jets team, I think they were missing three starters in the, and then the, mm-hmm. the only starter that was remaining, I think got hurt in, in maybe the first half of the third quarter or something. I mean, they were literally missing their entire secondary yesterday. And I don't think the Vikings did a very good job of taking advantage of that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, on the defensive side, uh, what did the Vikings do that you saw? that made life difficult on Sam Darnold, or was it more of self-inflicted wounds by the New York Jets than it was defensive excellence by the Vikings? Well, it, I think it was a combination. You know, a lot, offenses struggle a lot of times against good defenses, and, and uh, you know, they got a good pass rush. Darnold was harassed the entire game. Uh, this is, so, like, this is an example of, when the Vikings play against, like, the, the L.A. Rams, and they've got three really fast, uh, wide receivers. The Mike, the Vikings don't match up, you know, great defensively against three burners at wide receiver. You know, uh, uh, Rhodes is a big physical receiver or physical DB, but when he's going against Brandon Cooks or somebody with four, three speed, you know, it's hard to get your hands on them. You know, th- this type of game, the Vikings matched up really, really good against, you know, they're, they're better athletes than the sort of the talentless. Uh, wide receiver core and tight end and, and, and running back core of the New York Jets. And so that just the matchups man for man uh, was very much, uh, you know, in, in Vikings favor. Um, the, yeah, they got good pass rush. They stopped the run really well, you know, gave up less than a hundred yards rushing uh, about 80 yards rushing as far as I'm seeing here. So in all in all, a dominant performance and sort of like years past, the Vikings got the lead there in the second half, the third quarter. Uh, and then sort of once they got that lead, started creating some turnovers and, uh, you know, forcing teams to pass uh, and, and getting those turnovers. And they did that yesterday with Darnold uh, with his three interceptions. So, yeah, that was sort of a Mike Zimmer-esque. Zimmer probably thought it was like the prettiest game of the year. You know, a bunch of turnovers on defense <laughs> yeah, and pretty dominant. Right. And, and uh, you know, the offense did enough to win. I'm sure he probably thought it was a thing of beauty. I, I think if you had added maybe 15 more rushes, then that would have been your perfect uh, Mike Zimmer type of game. Um you know, on, on the defensive side, Linval Joseph dinged up. He doesn't play yesterday. Can you just explain the havoc that it causes for an offense when Linval Joseph is in? When it, when a, the other team has one of these monster dominant nose tackles, when they have a uh, Gilbert Brown, Ted Washington, or a um, Casey Hampton, remember him? That guy was a oh, beast. Oh, I remember him. I was a Big 12 guy, and he was at Texas. So, yeah, I remember Casey Hampton very well. Yeah. Um, you know, having big guys like that, well, there's two types of them. There's some that are come in, and they're like a nose tackle, and they're just sort of like this, uh, you know, run stopper and like immovable object. You know, they get a double team yeah. with the center and the guard, and they just don't go anywhere. And everything <laughs> just sort of stalls 
And, but what's interesting about Joseph is he's pretty dang good at that. He, he doesn't, you know, he's hard to move because he's so big, but he also just moves well. Like he actually will get some, some decent pass rush, mm-hmm. uh, on, on drop back downs. And so he's sort of like an every down sort of nose tackle. Uh, and you don't see guys his size at every down nose tackles. And so that, that's what makes him special. And, and, uh, obviously the Vikings, uh, you know, did a nice job, uh, overcoming that yesterday. Um, I, one thing I wanted to add, by the way, um, and I sort of thought this going into the game, you know, with these two rookie quarterbacks in back-to-back weeks, and they made both of them look like rookies, is that, you know, that double-A gap stuff that they, you know, have, have done for years, that had a, a nice impact, uh, you know, yesterday. And they got some, some you know, they, they create a lot of issues for the, for the Jets and, and, and the quarterbacks, and they're confusing. And, you know, they really have eight guys up the line of scrimmage. Uh, and usually have six at the max seven blockers. And so you just don't know who's coming and, and the Vikings try to, uh, sort of game plan of, of how the opposing offensive line and running backs are going to pass protect. And then they sort of just uh, adjust accordingly. And, and they do a really nice job of, of taking away the hot throws and, and bringing blitzes from everywhere. And they obviously were confusing to, to Donald and, and, uh, in that offensive line yesterday. Yeah, two straight weeks of that, and I wonder. So Anthony Barr said something this week, and maybe you could tell me if you've spotted anything because it's it's just hard to say without knowing defensive calls and anything else. But he said last week that he felt they simplified some things or more of just went back to what they had been doing in the past that worked, as opposed to trying to add new wrinkles and things like that. Uh, the personnel that they've mixed in is is different because of injuries and things like that, and there might be a few new packages, but. The third down stuff and the double A gap stuff where they're sending pressure from all different places, that seems like that works no matter when it is that, that since Zimmer got here until now and that they should just stick with that. And I, I don't know that they were doing as much of that early in the season. Yeah, there's just I said there that that package is really, really good and, and you have two options. You know, you can uh sort of you know, just go with the play called and and, and hopefully that you know the, the way you've decided to try to pass protect it holds up, um, which it's sort of fifty fifty. It's sort of a uh Russian roulette uh, as far as, as that is concerned. Or you can try to like max protect and leave your tight end in and leave your running back in and and create this whole new protection scheme. But then you might only have like two guys or max three guys out on routes. And so if, if the Vikings, you know, they do that double A gap stuff and then they you know, they they uh, uh uh move out of it uh, at the snap and now you've got seven guys blocking and three guys out on routes and they have seven guys dropping. There's usually not, you know, anybody open in those situations. So that's a really nice package for them. And, and, uh, you know, Zimmer has sort of perfected it. Uh, again, it's, 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 it's the brilliance is it is that it's sort of simple for the defense, but complex for the offense. And anytime mm-hmm. a, a defensive coordinator can do that, uh, that, you know, that gives them a big advantage. Okay. Sage to wrap up here, I'm going to read you all the teams in the NFC that have at least three wins. And then I want you to tell me how you think this thing is going to play out. Los Angeles, New Orleans, Washington, Minnesota, Carolina, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, Chicago, Seattle, Detroit, Philadelphia, and Dallas all have at least three wins so far this year, and this NFC is a complete cluster. I, after the, well, we're through seven weeks now? Is that where we're through, or eight weeks or something like that? Seven, seven weeks? weeks, yep. Um, uh, the Rams and, and the Chiefs just sort of look to me like they're on a, uh, you know, on a, on a, on a one way track to the Super Bowl. You know, I made the Chiefs, it's going to be, I think it's going to be the Chiefs and, and, uh, the Patriots in the AFC championship game. 
And the Rams, I mean, they have so much talent. They have a great uh, offensive head coach, a really good defensive coordinator, and it's just so much talent on offense, on defense, special teams as good. They're, they're the whole package and they, they really do look unstoppable right now. So I like them as sort of the, the, the leader through seven games. Um, you know, the, the Saints are a very, very good football team. I think the Vikings are going to be there, uh, when it comes down to it comes to playoff time. Uh, you know, probably most of those teams that were, you know, there last year. I don't know who's going to come out of that NFC South. That's always sort of a mystery. You know, Carolina, you don't know what's going to happen with them. Atlanta, they're, they're, they're really a surprise. Uh, you know, sort of bad team this year, but uh, it, it should be an interesting race. The, the, the NFC playoffs last year were so much better than the AFC, and, and it's sort of that there's carryover, and that it's a very balanced, uh, very balanced conference this year as well. And just as we all predicted, Adrian Peterson will lead Washington to the playoffs. It seems. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't see that coming. I got to tell you, what a, what a surprise! That was a crazy game yesterday uh, with, with the Cowboys and and, and the Redskins, and the, you know, there's a lot of history there. Doesn't seem like it in the last 10 years, but there is actually a lot of history with those two franchises. And, and for, for the Cowboys to lose the way that they did yesterday, uh, we're possibly getting closer and closer to the end of the Jason Garrett era in Dallas. They, they keep having losses like that and sort of settle for 50 yard field goals. Yeah. No, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And his quote after the game was, well, we were in field goal position. I'm like, yeah, well, barely, but, uh, yeah, yeah. So, some of that game management stuff and some of their offensive struggles probably do rest on him. So uh, anyway, Sage, awesome stuff as always. And I am excited, I, I think, for another McCown this week for journeyman quarterback. <laughs> By the way, we're it's funny we're 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 having this podcast and it almost feels like a loss yesterday because the game was just sort of underwhelming. Yes, and, yes. you know, it's like and, and, you know, as a fan, you don't want to be. uh the media member you don't want to be uh uh sort of spoiled and that we should have won by more points you know listen there's nothing better than coming in on monday as a player after a win whether it's six to three and you know you can play better uh or it's you know 52 to 48 and, and you played unbelievable offensively and you get a win uh all wins are good they're so hard to come by and and the vikings they get a much needed uh, win yesterday for their to keep their playoff hopes alive yeah this was such a weird one because we i felt the same way with our podcast and, and our show after the game yesterday with with judd and i it was just like this it just was so ugly that it didn't have that same feel of uh, a 37 17 win where you know you just track meet the other team and everyone looks good and everyone played well this one was uh not not really the case and i i think that the things that we said about the offense are fair when you're 26th in the league in scoring percentage uh, per drive, that you know, there are some issues here that need to get resolved. And you know, I think that's fair to say, but you're, yeah. you're, you're right that it, it did seem like a, a pretty critical post game and, you know, podcast here with us for a 37, 17 win. It was an underwhelming victory. Uh, defensively, I got to love what the Vikings have been doing the last few weeks. You know, they played against two rookie quarterbacks, so they've done what you, you hope they would do. Uh, but that, that's not the way it's going to go once he gets to these really good quarterbacks like Drew Brees, you know, here coming up or when it comes playoff time or when they see Aaron Rodgers again or the Chicago Bears who have just a ton of offensive weapons. So, uh, you know, the, the defense is playing very, very well. That's nice to see because they start off the year playing like crap. Uh, but the offense, I, we, we're just looking for more consistency and, and, uh, you know, we don't have to have highlight plays all the time. Uh, but you'd like to, you know, eliminate those, those bad plays. And we're just seeing, you know, too many sort of bad boneheaded plays right now 
uh, and just sort of a lack of consistency, in particular in that run game. Well, on Wednesday, we will dive full in to Vikings Saints, and then you can tell me from your very trained quarterback man eye why Drew Brees is so excellent. So give you something to think about for I'm sure you've never thought about it before so just decision uh, just making and accuracy decision making and accuracy Sage. decision making and accuracy Are all no day spoilers but, here yeah decision making <laughs> and accuracy yeah all right all right we'll break that one down on Wednesday and journeyman quarterback of the week will make a decision then and uh, we will talk to you all soon on the purple podcast with winter weather making it harder to stay active here's a gift idea for the outdoor adventurer in your life the Allbirds Mizzle Collection. The Allbirds Mizzle is designed for those who won't take snow for an answer, featuring built-in puddle guard technology to keep the winter wonderland where it belongs, not in your shoe. The weather-ready sole offers enhanced traction, so you go on winter runs with confidence. And it's made with premium ZQ Merino wool, a naturally insulating material that keeps your feet warm and sports a low environmental impact. Allbirds displays their carbon footprint right on the shoe, so you can see the difference for yourself. On top of that, they actually offset the carbon footprint to zero, making their missile collection completely carbon neutral. So you can stay warm and dry while trading lighter. This holiday season, get on their nice list when you shop the Allbirds Mizzle Collection. Discover your perfect pair at Allbirds.com. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays, and Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy 5 or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.